So let's read in Luke chapter 11, verse 23 to 28. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And finding none, none on it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts are which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. You see, this passage comes after Jesus need to deal with the religious leader, the question is authority. Jesus had to deal with uh, their foolish way of thinking because they accused Jesus after he delivered a boy from a spirit that was keeping him mute. And because of that, they say, you are doing these things because of the power of Beelzebub. That is one of the names of Satan in the Bible. And Jesus is showing them that this is not the case, that he cannot do the work of God through the work of the devil. A house that is divided cannot stand. But I believe also that Jesus is teaching not and giving us not random information about evil spirits. He's giving us information that are pertinent to our life. And how we can enjoy the presence of God and not the oppression and the opposition of evil spirits. In this moment, Jesus is facing two groups of people. There were those who clearly oppose him and say, you are doing this because of the power of Satan. And those who questioning the integrity of the ministry of Jesus as the Messiah. So to be sure that he was the Messiah, they asked him to perform signs or miracles that will prove that Jesus was the actual Messiah. And if I look at these two type of crowd. I find that it's very familiar to our days. There are those who question Jesus' authority. There are those who think that the church of Jesus Christ is just a bunch of people that are ignorant. And they question the integrity of what we are doing. Jesus is questioning the heart. And this is done through a story of a restless spirit. Jesus is telling this parable. It speaks about an unclean spirit who, for some reason, has gone out of a man. And this wicked spirit goes around finding a place where find some rest. The Bible says in Isaiah that the wicked has no rest. And this is true for people, but also for evil spirits. They have no rest. The only rest that they can find is when they possess humans. Because... This will give them satisfaction. They will give them a purpose to be worshipped, to be able to control. An evil spirit is restless spirit. 
and has no peace until he goes back where he came from. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. And then our hearts, clearly, Jesus says, are always craving, longing for something. You see, we fill our hearts with uh, either good things or bad things. Our heart cannot stay empty. There is something that we crave. It's just like when somebody is uh, addicted to drug. You want to have the little dose to keep you up. You want to have something to fill the emptiness. It's just like a momentary satisfaction that comes and then needs to be filled again. And sometimes temporary abstinence may either lead to greater addiction or replacing an addiction with another addiction. Two weeks ago, I met a, an old friend, and I find that it took a lot of weight. And uh, he had some problem with uh, cocaine, unfortunately. And uh, I told him, what happened to you? And he said, you know, since I stopped, uh, I have to do something. And that something is eating a lot. So it replaced one addiction with another addiction. But you see, Jesus, I believe that here is talking about something very important. We don't need abstinence. We need more of Jesus in our hearts. Because if Jesus is in our hearts, there is no need for addiction. Because Jesus is able to satisfy our soul, our spirit. There is something missing in our hearts that only the presence of God can fill in. There is something that is missing and nothing on this world can give you satisfaction and fulfillment, sense of achievement until you have Jesus in your heart. I don't care if you are Prime Minister of Canada or if you are the last one in the society. You need Jesus in your heart because human beings have been created by default to have and to carry the presence of Jesus in their heart. Praise God for us. And uh, this morning, through this story, I want to share with you three points that are very important. The first one is that either you gather or scatter. There is no halfway. And the context of this passage is very clear. In verse 14 to 16, in chapter 11 of Luke, Jesus drives out a mute demon out of a person. And this caused some of the leaders to say, Jesus, you are doing this because of the authority of Satan in you. But Jesus knew in their hearts, in verse 17 answers, but in knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and divide a household falls. Then he gives another example, which is the right perspective on what happened to this boy when he cast out the demon. When a strong man, in verse 21, fully armored, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Jesus is saying very clear, I am the strong man that came and cast out demon out of this person. You see, this man was keeping 
the house under control until another stronger than him came and conquered out. I want you to know this morning without fear or without shadow doubt that Jesus is stronger than every demon on this earth and this universe. No demon can stand when the, the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus is proclaimed. So no demon can stand against the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid of those who are talking about the power of the devil. Yes, we know the devil is powerful. Yes, we know that we cannot deny that today, 2019, 5th of May, there are people demon-possessed, even here in Montreal. But I want you to know also that the power of Jesus is above that. And we are his church. We are standing on the promises of Jesus today. And the fact that we are celebrating the communion is a, a testimony this morning that the blood of Jesus overcome the power of Satan. That the cross defeated definitively the Satan power. And he has delivered us from that fear. Praise God for this. But there is another reality. The spiritual battle that comes out of deliverance is a battle of the heart. Satan is trying to conquer your heart more than everything else. Because if he has your heart as everything else, as your feelings, as your power, as your finances, as everything. Here Jesus is giving us a principle. If an evil spirit is driving out and the heart is clean, if that art is not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and carrying the presence of Jesus, the heart is completely open to be repossessed again. The point is that when someone is trying to say, I'm neutral, without any occupancy in the Spirit of God, the heart is not guarded. And you allowed the enemy to come back in a stronger way. What I want to say with this, Jesus mentioned, let me say something. It cannot happen that your heart will be empty. You will be occupied again. The Bible is very clear. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Either we are with Jesus or we are not with him. There is not half a way. You cannot sit on on the fence when it comes with Jesus, my friend and my brothers and sisters. We can't be neutral. He wants us to understand this morning something very important. If you are not with him completely and 100%, then you are against him. Doesn't mean that we are perfect in our own. It is this perfection in us that makes us 100% committed to Him. I want to give you an illustration of this. Try to imagine you are in a relationship. Oh, let's try to imagine a husband and wife. And the husband say to uh, the wife, Dear wife, I love you with all my heart, but I will be faithful to you. 85%. Give me 15% off. How do you think the person, the wife, will feel about it? 
Or vice versa, you can invert the role, right? A wife who could say to the husband, I will be faithful to you 85%. Is not faithfulness. There is not full commitment. And let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, and I'm not removing myself from this. Sometimes we feel like that with Jesus. Not all we feel, we behave like that. We say, Lord Jesus, I'm committed to you 100%. And then we know that our hearts are not full committed. There is a spiritual danger here. We need to be full committed to Christ. And the communion this morning is speaking to us so strongly that Jesus was full committed to die on the cross. You know when we think that the Jewish or the Romans crucified Jesus? We are saying something not truthful. Jesus said, no one takes my life. It is me that lays down. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Jesus was fully committed 100% to do the will of the Father. And to embrace the cross without any second thoughts. He truly desired greatly to celebrate the last supper with his own. Just to share his commitment and his love for them. And again, when I look at chapter 13 of John, something really touched me every time that I read the passage. In chapter 13, verse 1, it says that Jesus loved them until the end. He was committed 100%, though he knew that someone among them would betray him. And Jesus didn't deny the same portion of the supper to Judas that would, would have been betrayed him a few hours later. You see, Jesus was full committed. People think that they can be neutral. There is a myth of neutrality in our society today. But there is no such things in the Bible. I want you to know, don't be deceived by the enemy. There is no neutral field serving God. Either you are with God or you are not with God. Don't be deceived by the enemy. There is a need for 100% commitment. And you know why? Because at the end, is a problem with the heart. Who is controlling your heart? Who is controlling my heart? Is Jesus or is my own flesh? My own desire? The Bible says that we have to be renewed in our mind. The Bible says that we have to clothe the new man. We have to surrender to Jesus the control. This is like my wife. When we drive the car, I drive the car. She's in the passenger side, but she needs to have the control of the car. And when she sees a, a car maybe 300 meters ahead of me, she starts to brake. Ah! I don't know if this is my own experience or somebody else can experience something very similar. And I remember, once I stop at the car, I say, please drive. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we say, you drive the car, Lord. But as soon as we see something coming, we start to panic. We start to lose control of what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to have the control. He wants to ride our life. There is no neutrality in the spiritual realm, my brothers and sisters. 
And I love the, uh, the verbs that are using this analogy here given by Jesus. The verbs gather and scatters are a picture of a shepherd gathering his own flock, his own sheep. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Either you are gathered under the great shepherd that cares for you, or you are scattered outside. There is no halfway. Be aware that there is an evil force trying to attack our hearts. We are in a war. But thank God that the war is won already. It's won. You and I don't need to battle. Jesus battled for us. We have to just walk in the victory. And to walk in the victor, we have to stay in the right camp. If you are not depending on the Lord, then can you easily be captured, even if the war has been won. The enemy put traps around you all the time. Don't think that you are Superman or Superwoman. Let me tell you, we are not superhero. There is only one superhero, and it's Jesus. Don't think that you can battle the same evil with Satan. Satan is stronger than you. You cannot win him. I'm telling you, friend, you cannot battle Satan or his evil spirit on your own strength. You will lose. The only way to win is if we cover ourselves with the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ. Alone we will fail. We will lose the battle. But praise the name of the Lord for Jesus Christ to conquer that, to conquer the evil. Praise God for this. He has won the battle. He destroyed the devil. John, 1 John 3, 8 says that he came to destroy the work of the devil. And praise God, today we can celebrate that. But there is a kind of peace in your heart that needs to be kept by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But also there is another kind of peace. And I want you to be aware of this. We don't talk too much about this. When the devil has your own heart and dwells in your heart, it will give you a level of peace. It will keep you in peace. Because the ultimate goal is that he has the control of your heart. This past week I was talking with a brother on the phone. And he said, Pastor, I'm a little bit discouraged. It seems that when I'm determined to follow Jesus, everything collapses around me. And I see my friend that continue to do bad things, and it seems to be okay. You know why everything collapses? Because you are running away from the peace that the devil is giving to get the true peace. My friend, Jesus says something very important. I give you my peace, not the peace of this world. And there is a huge difference because the peace of this world will end. But the peace that Jesus is giving to us is a peace that will stand forever and ever for eternity to eternity. Because it's given to us by our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. The devil plans is to make you feel secure. That's the way that he deceives people. And when you have that kind of security, you don't feel guilty, you don't feel condemned, you don't feel that one day you will respond before God's judgment, you don't feel the need to repent. 
please, don't be deceived from the enemy. Don't be deceived. Look at Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Go to him. Make sure that your life is anchored on Jesus Christ. You know, the devil wants to take the place of Jesus. It's always the same battle since Genesis. He wants to be worshipped as a God. He wants to control your life. Evil spirits are actively seeking to occupy our hearts, your hearts, the territory of our hearts, so they may be worshipped. They may be honored. That sense of security, when we feel so secure in our own strength, we are worshipping him. That is, say, you don't need God. But if you have a good position... If you have a good status, if you have food on the table, if you have a roof on your head, keep in mind that it's God's provision, not the devil's provision. These things one day will fade away. But only those who place their trust in Jesus will stand forever. And this is something very important. Because the second point that Jesus is giving us, I believe, is the hazard of an empty house. And today we may apply this story to those who call themselves good people, of people of good morals. Having been exposed to the gospel, they know the truth. They know that there is some kind of good morals that a good person needs to have. Especially those who grew up in the church. And I'm one of them. I felt so a good person. I remember once talking with my father and telling him, listen... I can prove it to you that I can be a good person without being a Christian. And I truly, I was a good person. Good student, trying to help uh, different, uh, in different ways uh, my neighbor. But you know what? I was foolish. Because only when I remember that evening that I bowed down before God and said, Lord, if you are the God of my parents, please have mercy on me. Show your presence. The first thing that I felt was conviction of sin in my life. So strong that I cried before God. I said, Lord, I was so foolish. Please forgive. Forgive my sins. Forgive my pride. And I felt to be released. And my heaviness and a sense of forgiveness and peace came in my heart. My friend, there is something that we need to do. Is to fill our hearts with Jesus. We cannot just be empty. We cannot have a good morals. The text says very clear that when the evil spirits went around to find a place where to stay and didn't find any rest, they decided to come back. He came back because the house was empty. He didn't have the authority to go back. Do you understand the point of the parable here that Jesus is giving? Let me tell you, friend, we don't need to have fear of the devil. He cannot come and take us if our hearts are filled with Jesus. He cannot come and let us sin if we have the mind of Christ. We need to have our hearts filled with God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is no other throne in our hearts beside the throne of Jesus Christ. He's the one that should rule. 
this evil spirit comes and uh, sees the house cleaned completely, as being beautified, a good person. And let me tell you, it's more difficult to conquer the heart of a good person than a bad person. This is my experience in ministry. As much a bad person, we call it like that, brackets, resist to the word of the Lord, resist the Holy Spirit. At the moment that they understand, they are convicted, they lower the guard and surrender, repent. But a good person is standing on his own righteousness. And pride of the heart is the most difficult to conquer. The heart was neutral. It was halfway conversion. Again, my friend, there is no halfway conversion. This spirit goes back and brings with him seven more evil spirits to take full control. So it will be more difficult to come out. This man may be asked, received the conviction that sins are bad and maybe adjust his life and somehow to be of a good reputation. But the heart was empty. And this was a worse condition. We need to fill our hearts. When we confess our sins before God, we need to come and ask the Holy Spirit to come and visit us. We need to say, Holy Spirit, take control. Fill my heart. Fill my heart. Fill my heart. Because if we continue to sit on the fence, uh, we are not full committed to Jesus, something else will fill our hearts. I like what Rocco prayed before. Lord, sometimes we are distracted. It's true. And many times we could spend and fill our hearts with godly things, and we are distracted by worldly things. And please, I don't want to let you feel guilt here. And I'm not apologetic on what I'm saying. I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come in our hearts. Because guilt doesn't change you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will change our hearts. It's not a question that we cannot have a hobby or having some time to relax. It's a question when we do other things before serving God. Before occupying ourselves with the things of God. And I was sharing this the other day in a meeting. We can be so busy even doing things for God that we forget to spend time with God. And believe me, this is the greatest danger that a pastor or a minister can have. Being so occupied with the things of the Lord that forgets to spend time with God. And I'm begging your prayers. Please pray for me. That I could spend the right time with my Savior, my Lord, in fellowship with Him. I don't want to do things for God putting Him aside. I want to have a deeper relationship with Him. Because I know that the strength comes from Him. Not from the work that I do for Him. And the same is for you, my brothers and sisters. We feel secure in Jesus. You know, I don't want to go to predestination or eternal security and everything. I feel that I am eternally secure and safe in Jesus. Because if my heart is full with his presence, I don't need to be afraid to lose my salvation. I don't need to be afraid to commit sins. But it's so powerful, it's so important that if we have a heart filled 
with the presence of Jesus, we are sure to walk in victory. In 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember this. We sang a beautiful song. Victory belongs to Jesus. But let me tell you something else. Victory belongs also to the follower, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Because we walk on his righteousness. We walk on his victory. We walk according to what he's commanding us to do. And that's why Peter says that we must walk on the steps of Jesus. You see, the world is like a, a minefield. I remember when I was in the army, we were doing these war games. And one of the, that experience was to walk in a minefield. But you know, there were some... People that thought that they were more smart than the other one. So they were going out of the path that was signed. And thank God they were just a low charge in those mines. But it was scaring. Boom! Once in a while you were hearing the mine exploding. It's like that. The devil has put mines everywhere. At your work. Temptation. Having an affair. Uh, watching something that you shouldn't. Not doing your job when the employer is not there. Can I put other things? Don't pay your taxes as you should. Working under the table. There's mines everywhere. But if you have Jesus in your heart, he will make the way for you. Because he's faithful. And I'm so reassured by the word of Jesus. By the word of the Lord. And I see, I said, I have your name written in my hands. Remember when we were children, I think those of my generation and older understand what I'm trying to say. The children of today are smarter, they have iPads, iPhone, whatever. But when you were going to respond an interrogation by the teacher, you were not so sure. We were writing something in our hands, right? And once in a while, we were trying to give a little sight just to find an answer. That's the idea. God has your name, my name, in the palm of his hand. And Jesus himself says, no one will steal you from my hand. We belong to Jesus. Praise God for this. I love David. Many times in the Psalms, he addresses God as his own God. My God. My God. Paul writes to the Philippians and say, My God will supply to all your needs. My God. And let me challenge you and I this morning. Who is Jesus for you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you feel committed to Jesus? And that's why the third lesson that I hear from this passage is reforming versus transforming a heart. You see, Jesus is not just willing to reform a heart. He's willing to transform a heart, to regenerate a heart. It's not just a reformation, as much we use that word in our circle. There's more than reformation. There is transformation. There is giving a new identity. Being with Jesus means more than to be merely part of the church family. It means listening to what he says and obeying his word. Walking with him. 
I love what Luke does here. He tried to put all these two things together. And in verse 27, it says, A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts are which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And let me clarify something here. Jesus is not renouncing to his family or speaking bad about his family. No. He says something more important. Jesus suggests here that even his own family needs to recognize him as a savior. You are not saved by mere biological belonging to a Christian family. You need to be saved. Not even Mary. Just the fact that the, the Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus, that'll make her saved. I'm sorry. I know that there are, are Christians that say that Jesus was given birth by Mary. Mary was without sin. Conceived without sin too. But this is not what the Bible says. In the Magnificat, Mary recognized the need of a Savior. Mary was at the cross. Mary was with 120 praying for receiving the Holy Spirit. The brother of Jesus, they denied him. They didn't follow him. But James, after Jesus Christ died, he accepted Jesus. And he became one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. What a difference, even in his own family. Jesus is suggesting here that neither those who grew up in his own home were saved by belonging to the home. And let me tell you, the fact that you can come in church regularly doesn't give you salvation. The only one that can save you is not for your line church or other church, is Jesus Christ. And if you are not surrendered to him, you will not be saved. You see, a best reformation changes the outside of a person. Only Jesus and Jesus' blood can change the inside. My brothers and friends, let's be honest here. You can deceive the person that brought you to the Lord, but you cannot deceive God. You can deceive with your exterior appearance, but you cannot deceive God with the interior. Only God knows the heart. Only God, the Spirit of God, is able to scan your heart. You know, when we need to make sure that we have something, we go to this technology today. It's unbelievable. Scan, PET scan. There are a lot of different scans. And thank God for the technology. They are able to detect a minimal trace of sickness, a cancer, whatever is the case. But let me tell you, the Spirit of God is able to detect everything in our heart. Everything. And we can deceive one another, but we cannot deceive God. And that's why today I'm not apologetic with you. Because I love you so much. And I want you to make sure that your heart belongs to God. That's my desire. We don't need reformation. We need transformation. We've been renewed by the power of God. We need to repent. We need to confess our sins. We need to confess our inequity and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I love what Paul says to Romans 12, 1, 2. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's interesting here. Worship is related to this transformation. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of God is clear, my brothers and sisters. Jesus isn't your everything until is your Lord. Jesus wants to be your Savior and your Lord. And when you are tempted, don't blame God. Blame your own heart. Because your own heart has deceived you. James 1, 13, 14 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So salvation means believing and trusting God, trusting Jesus, which will result in a radical change of heart, which will result in a radical change of living. You cannot change of the heart with just a radical change of living. In church, we need to be aware of this. Sometimes we want people to have first the change and then accept the Jesus. Stop it to do this, stop it to do the other one, you cannot be saved. But let me tell you, unless Jesus comes and changes the heart, those sin can, will continue to, do, to be there. A holy life is the consequence of the transformation of the heart. It's not the opposite. Let's not exchange. First, there need to be the transformation of the heart. And then there is a radical living for Christ. So the question, and I'm going to close with this, is this. Who is controlling your life? Who runs your heart? It is God or is Satan? If we may go to the application, empty hearts are hungry for something. There is a quest in our hearts to fill Something And I say to you, fill your heart with the word of God. Fill your heart with the word of God. David says, and I encourage you to read the 119, Psalms 119. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm that can give you so much in understanding the importance of the word of God. David said, I hide your word in my heart so I cannot sin anymore. When the word of God is filling your heart you are less tempted. And today is your opportunity. Don't let anything distract you. Church, don't let anything distract us from the important task that we have to fill our heart with the Word of God. Today we are able to memorize uh, songs, uh, poems, uh, news, games, strategies. But when it comes to memorize the Word of God, our memory is blocked. We are not good. Be filled. Be renewed by the word of God. And then let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, this should be a pursuit for our lives. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Let's have a deeper life with you, my Lord. Fill me. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine or with the things of this world, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. We must let the Spirit of God fill us completely and continually. It's not a one-day experience. It's seeking the filling every single day and walking in the Spirit. And then, my last is this. Let's live according to our calling. Let's live according to our call. We receive an eye call. We are not of this world. We are very grateful for this country that gives us hospitality. But I'm so glad that I don't belong to Canada. I'm belonging to my heavenly kingdom. I'm belonging to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And one day, one day, my friend, I will be there. I will go back home. And I love when you cross the United States border. They say to an American citizen, welcome all, sir. Welcome home, ma'am. We are longing for the day that Jesus will say, welcome home. Welcome home, Fairview family. Praise God for this. Amen.